Hello, friends. This is the AlphaList Podcast. I am your host, Toby. The goal of the AlphaList Podcast is to empower CTOs with the info and insight they need to make the best decisions for their company. We do this by hosting top thought leaders and picking their brains for insights into technical leadership and tech trends. If you believe in the power of accumulated knowledge to accelerate growth, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. Plus, if you're an experienced CTO, you will love the discussion happening in our Slack space where over 600 CTOs are sharing insights or visit one of our events. Just go to alphalist.com to apply. Welcome to the Alphalist Podcast. I am your host, Toby. And today with me is Stephen Rogelberg. And Stephen is Chancellor's Professor at University of North Carolina. And he is a professor of organizational science, management, and, and psychology, and the funding director of the organizational science at UNC Charlotte. You have lots of publications, Stephen. And You received over two and a half million of external grant funding. Um, where did you spend that money? <laughs> that would be helping students and carrying out the research. But um, if you need me to send you a few dollars, let me know. Okay, okay, good. Um, send you my PayPal afterwards. But um, yeah, you, you, your day-to-day your -day is effectively thinking about effectiveness of meetings. Is that correct? I think my day-to-day -day is a little bit more interesting than that. But yes, I do think a lot about meetings, for sure. And um, you published a few books on meetings. Um, like any, anything worth reading, I guess so. Like what, what do you pitch us in? Um, so there's two books. Um, there's The Surprising Science of Meetings that came out a few years ago that got a lot of positive attention um, and Washington Post named it the number one leadership book to watch for. But now I have another book in production that's going to release soon called Glad We Met, The Art and Science of One-on-One -on -one Meetings. And I am really, really excited about this one. I think it has even more potential than the last one. Okay, then I think it's a good topic if we pick one-on-ones and like really organizing effective one-on-ones um, as, as a main topic. Um, but maybe we before we start off with that, um, could you tell me a bit more like how, like I, I typically touch the nerd journey, which like uh, suits my, my guests well, like how did you become like um, a nerd of effective meetings, let's say? How, how did you get into that? Like why do you do what you do? I am an organizational psychologist, and that's my doctorate. And as an organizational psychologist, I love to do research on topics that cause people a lot of pain and then try to find science that can help decrease that pain. Certainly meetings fit that bill well, right? We They're common, they're painful, and we tend to be just wallowing. And so my hope was to do research that could provide an evidence-based path forward so the tremendous potential of meetings could be fully realized. But a little bit earlier in your life, like 
why did you step into that? Like, when, when did you think, okay, this is like a, a career trajectory for me. Um, I, I'll be a professor of organizational science. Well, that's actually a very uninspired story. Um, when I was in university, I was not a very good student. And, but my father was very controlling. And so it was in my third year of university and my father reached out and said, okay, I want to know what you're going to do when you graduate. And I had no clue at all, <laughs> but I was getting my first A grade in university and the class was organizational psychology. So to get my dad in a good place, I came home and I said, I'm going to be an organizational psychologist. <laughs> But you made it. it. I mean, <laughs> I did. It's, it's, um, it's a great field because it's really designed about elevating work and yeah. making it meaningful and valuable and, you know, to elevate employee thriving, team thriving and organizational thriving. So, you know, it's nice to study something that impacts so many people's lives And you know, trying to bring science to bear to make it the best it can be. And and I think there's so much to come, right? I mean, there's so much happening already. Um, like uh, all the tools that also established deeper um, during COVID. Uh, but 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 also so much to come with AI around the corner, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that that will really help us to become more effective and 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 communicate communicate more effectively, right? Well, maybe. We don't know, but there's certainly AI is a disruptive event and it's definitely going to change a lot of paradigms, um, you know, throughout organizational history, we have all kinds of fascinating disruptive events, uh -huh. you know, whether the internet, you know, industrial revolution, I mean, there's so many and AI presents the next one. And it's definitely fascinating to see how it all you know, impacts day to day and um, what we do with hiring and how we leverage it. Obviously, we're in such early stages and the accuracy of it is not at the level that, you know, we need to, mm -hmm. I think, leverage its full potential. But clearly, clearly, it's going to be highly relevant and highly transformative. Okay, but uh, now let's come to, to the topic of your next book, um, One-on-Ones. Um, What, what makes a good one-on-one -on -one from your perspective? Well, so many things. Um, you know, let me start by maybe sharing why one-on-ones are just so critical. So, I, you know, I would argue that one-on-ones um, represent one of the greatest opportunities for leaders. Um, and that one-on-ones done regularly um, can promote employee engagement almost like nothing else. Uh, you know, the research shows that, you know, those who receive regular one-on-ones are three times more likely to be engaged. One-on-ones um, promote individual and team success, right? It keeps people aligned, coordinated, working well together. One-on-ones promote manager success, right? As managers, we're ultimately judged by what our followers achieve. So the higher you know, they climb, the better we do. And so that's essential to managerial success. And then finally, one-on-ones are a critical piece to life satisfaction. And there's this proverb, a Chinese proverb that really sums this up well. And it says, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. 
If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. If you want happiness for a lifetime, help somebody. And one-on-ones provide this incredible mechanism for helping people. So that's the case for one-on-ones. Do you buy it? I, I buy it absolutely. I mean, it depends a bit on your leadership style, right? Like how you arrange your one-on-ones. So how should we be doing that? It, it sounds um, as if it's like, is it is it rather pull or push? Um, is it with a fixed agenda? Like how how do you think yeah. is 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 it is it best done? So one-on-one is a meeting for the direct, orchestrated by the leader. Um, but the focus is really the direct, their practical needs and their personal needs. And um, so to help understand um, how to do these well, let me share with you common mistakes that are made. Because obviously by understanding the common mistakes, then we know tips for, for making them better. So let's start with number one, which is the manager does most of the talking. Um, our research shows that the more the manager talks in a one-on-one, the lower the ratings of effectiveness of one-on-ones. Um, and that makes tremendous sense. Obviously, this meeting is for the, the direct. So we want to make sure that the direct is dominating conversation. We want to make sure that their needs um, are being addressed. So we need to quiet our own voices. So that's one key thing. A second key thing is having the correct cadence of these. Um, you know, we don't want these too infrequent and we don't want them too frequent. The meet, the science is most aligned with this idea of weekly or every other week one-on-ones that having cadences like that resulted in the most employee engagement. Once you go more than two weeks, the gap is so long that we tend to forget what was said and you just don't get this continuity and momentum. Um, you know, it related to this, when you ask people, um, you know, do you want less one-on-ones? Well, the biggest predictor of that is actually not how many, how much, you know, their workload. The biggest predictor of it, predictor of it is how well the leader runs the one-on-ones. When the leader is running the one-on-ones well, employees want them more. They just want to have as many of these as they can. Because if it's run well, right, the employee experience is being greatly elevated. Mm. Um, any questions about those first two before I move on? Well, how do we run it perfectly is, uh, I, th I think, uh, the, sure. the, the next question, the obvious follow-up question. Um, sure. The rest okay. is explained quite well. Yeah. Well, we definitely, um, you know, we want to start with an agenda. And this has actually been um, a, somewhat of a contentious topic Because um, a lot of managers think, oh, we definitely don't need an agenda. But the research actually shows that one-on-ones do need it. It only happens around 50% of the time. When these one-on-ones did have an agenda, they those meetings were rated more valuable. But interestingly, what's more important than actually having the agenda is how it was created. Um, when the direct or the manager collaborate together to create the agenda, well, those meetings were rated much more valuable than if it's just the manager providing the agenda. Because again, we're seeing a theme here that these are meetings for the direct orchestrated by the, the manager. And um, 
So the other really key thing, though, is that these agendas don't have to be very formal, right? We just want to sit down and make sure that we convey some type of framework and plan for this conversation. So keep it simple. That works absolutely fine. And then once you're in the meeting, um, there's a few things that, you know, we want to make sure happens. You know, first of all, we don't want to fall into a status update trap, you know, where people are just, you know, sharing, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this. That's inherently not all that interesting. That could be accomplished via an email, right? We want these meetings to be much more strategic than that. We want the conversation to be much more interesting than that. We want people to be talking about careers and obstacles and support they need and well-being and, and general communication and asking for feedback and giving feedback. So we want to make sure that these types of topics also get integrated into these one-on-ones. And then the other, you know, another key is that when you're leading the one-on-one, it's not just about business. It's not just about checking things off the, the list on the agenda. We need to make sure that we are really focused on meeting the personal needs of directs as well. You know, when, as I mentioned earlier, every person goes into a one-on-one with personal and practical needs. Well, the practical ones are very tactical, but the personal needs are about how a team member feels coming out of the one-on-one. Do they feel trusted, respected, and included? That really matters. So we want managers to make sure that they facilitate the meeting in a way that they're clearly listening, responding with empathy, um, communicating authentically and transparently. They're kind and supportive. You know, they're being vulnerable and they're also involving the direct in these conversations. Related to that, one other really key thing for leaders is that when you are doing um, generating solutions to problems, Give your direct space to come up with the solution, Yeah. right? So as a leader, just don't hand them a solution. Yeah. You know, listen, ask them for their advice. Walk through a process to help them discover what might be best. You know, that tends to engender lots more commitment. And then this is the biggest problem. When the direct solution doesn't match yours direct, you know, exactly, unless it's really consequential, let it go. Just ignore it. Yeah. Just let it go. Let them have this runway. You know, if the consequences are great, absolutely, you should intervene. But if not, let it go. Give them that room. So I have a few others I'm happy to share, but let me stop there and um, see what other questions you might have. So we had frequency, we have the content. Like how many directs should one person actually handle because like from my perspective it's a it's a lot about like giving time maybe even yeah. preparing right i mean even if you just prepare the agenda together it's yeah. it, it it needs space and headspace um yeah. what, what do you think yeah no it's a great question um obviously the load increases the more directs you have so we have to be somewhat creative to make sure that we don't get overwhelmed with these so typically, um, one-on-ones that occur every week are around 30 minutes in length. When they're every other week, they tend to be closer to an hour. When you have a lot of directs, so once you start getting more than eight directs, it's going to be hard for you to find the extensive time that you need. So there's a few practices that you can do. So first of all, I, you know, having them regular is important. So this decreased the time, right? So instead of 30 minutes, let's do 20 minutes. Instead of an hour, let's do 40 minutes. So let's 
help flex the time to make sure that the load isn't too significant. So that's the easiest approach. Related to that, when you have a large team, you could start using more asynchronous tools, right, to calibrate and to learn what's going on with your direct so that the time that you have in person can be more rich and robust and it's just not a reporting out. So as you have more directs, you know, decrease time, increase um, use of asynchronous tool, asynchronous tools. And then third, you know, depending on how your team is constructed, I'm a big proponent of identifying, you know, who on the team that perhaps could provide mentoring to others on the team. So there's no reason that your more senior team members could actually be having one-on-ones with the more junior mm-hmm. team members. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they could be having one-on-ones and then the off and off weeks and then you can have them. So it's another way of spreading the the workload out, but you're still getting the great value, but not as much load. So people in your organization you trust you could promote, uh, not necessarily with like a better title, but um, like this responsibility to take over. Yeah, I think that's great. And it becomes a nice opportunity for you to coach them um, on how to do these things. Um, and that they're you know ready and um, and it helps build the team. Um, it's a nice thing that as your team members become more senior, that they get some additional interesting opportunities, and this is one of them. You mentioned async tools. Um, to step back a little, um, do you have like concrete tools in mind that actually help um, uh, like taking on more workload um, and, sure. and distributing better? I mean, there's so many tools out there now um, for asynchronous work. Um, you know, I've used um, some. You know, I've used Klaxoon. You know, for example. But um, you know, I generally find that just Google Documents works just fine, um, and you can have a Google document for each one of your employees, each one of your directs, and that you can have like this running conversation. Right? You can throw questions in there. You can respond, provide updates. And, you know, basically the Google Doc could be this living uh, diary, you know, this living record, and you could be engaging with it. Um, and both parties could be engaging with it. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's a fabulous approach for, um, you know, having, you know, rich uh, conversations, but without actually having to do it in mm-hmm. person. So it's a nice mm-hmm. complement to, mm-hmm. um, you know, the one-on-ones. Email could also be a good tool, right? So, <laughs> I mean, the simpler it is, uh, the better. Yeah, and, no, I agree. I mean, they, the downside of emails is just, you know, it's harder to track the history than yeah. uh, a document, but sure. Yeah, yeah. I have a good experience with a format um, called 515. I don't know if you know it. It's like, uh, it, it takes five minutes to, to read for the leader and 15 minutes to write for the sender. And it's kind of, you write it every week and it gives you like a, a brief feeling if even if you didn't meet each other's like it gives you like an async um style always the same style yeah. uh read of what happened um not it. in a reporting way but like essentially highlights lowlights and, and stuff like I that love it. so yeah i love it i mean we just we know that and i mean this is why i think the book is going to have a meaningful um impact on organizations because there's actually there's really no books around one-on-one meetings that elevate the science. So this will be the first one. So we have a situation where that we, we know, especially with hybrid workplaces, with people working remote, that people are craving some kind of connection, meaningful connection. 
And so one-on-ones are just such a critical mechanism, you know, for elevating people, teams in the organization. And then we've got this science that can really help people execute these things effectively so we get value. And then they don't have to be long and tedious. They absolutely can be short. And interestingly, Toby, there's a chance that one-on-ones can actually save you time, right? Because if you have these regular cadences with your people, then they're not coming to you with these spontaneous interruptions, right? They know that they've got your attention in three days or two days. So some managers report that they have more, you know, more time when they implement one-on-ones because they're just not having the same level of interruptions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, how do you make sure that people openly give you feedback after like a bad one-on-one? Like, how, how do you like? Do you do you just have to build that level of trust uh, with with all your employees, or is there maybe like also something that you can? Do I, I don't know a tool uh, a tip uh, you, you have how to how to make sure that sure. Works. you know evaluating the quality and by the way it's, that's a great question and I, I spend a whole chapter talking about it because it's actually really challenging it's hard to evaluate your one on ones you know because of the fact that we have this blind spot um, leaders tend to have more positive impressions of the one on ones than the directs and so as a result. Um, evaluating one-on-ones really takes work. And, you know, part of it is training ourselves to not focus on our general impressions of the one-on-one, but instead focus on behaviors. So, you know, reflect after your one-on-one, you know, what percentage of the time did you talk, right? And think about that. Reflect on whether, you know, did your direct provide the solutions? Reflect on whether there was a proper close at the end where you recapped everything that was discussed and you indicated who was going to do what. So basically focus on behaviors. And in the book, I outline these critical behaviors. So after your meeting, don't rely on your overall impressions. Go through these behaviors and say, okay, yeah, I did these, I did these. All right, so I did my job. So that's one level. The other level is because it's a shared experience, the greatest way of knowing whether they're working is to ask the direct, is it working? You know, are you feeling supported? Are you feeling more effective? Are you thriving? Now, if you have trust, that's a conversation that can occur um, directly. But, you know, if you don't, it's a new team, you're a new leader, what have you then it's probably best to do some type of anonymous little survey with your team where you ask them what's going well, not so well, and ideas for improvement, and then try new things. I think that's part of what's exciting about one-on-ones is that you you can basically tell your team, I want to be the best leader I can possibly be. And therefore, I recognize that I need to allocate time each week to focus on you, on your terms. That's a really positive and affirming message. So sharing that with your team and saying, listen, and we're going to keep making these better, right? Because again, this is not about me. This is about you. So therefore, we'll periodically check in and we'll keep fixing these things and trying new things so that we get what we want out of this investment. And that's that sends a lovely message to people and really shows your commitment to their well-being and success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's a, a, a like having those surveys everywhere could could uh, help many organizations to improve in, in many areas, right? And then like really showing that you act on those um, is 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 the key, right? 
I, it's well said. You're absolutely correct. Um, you know, one of the things I, I find amazing is that, you know, we have nearly a billion meetings each day around the globe. And yet we have very few constructive conversations around how to make these things truly work for us. Mm. Instead, we just complain. And I get it. I certainly have done my share of complaining. But I think when a leader checks in with their people and really conveys this message, yeah, we're meeting because I want to elevate your voices. We're meeting because you matter. And we're, we're meeting because the, the, some of the parts sometimes can, you know, be better. Um, and, but I don't want to waste your time. So therefore I'm going to check in and you're going to share feedback and we're just going to make sure that these things are really doing what we need to do. I think it's such a nice message. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I think so too. Like anything from your book where you think it's key, what we didn't touch like, um, in, in, in one-on-ones. I guess there's much more. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's a lot in the book. But, you know, me, well, you think so like you have to know this, Tobias. You have to know this, um, and you, you, your meetings will be ten times better. Like, what? What is it? Yeah. Well, I can't tell you that because you wouldn't buy the book. But, <laughs> I will still. Um, so, you don't have to tell me everything. <laughs> but I would probably say what's interesting about the book is that there's not this one or two things that changes everything. You know, what, the, what we generally find is that all these things positively affect the one-on-one -on -one a little bit. So you need to kind of take into all consideration all these various pieces. Let me give you a silly example. A very common way of starting a one-on-one -on -one is, you know, asking your direct, how are you? Well, that's actually not a great question. Because when you ask, how are you, people just tend to regurgitate the generally banal, fine, I'm doing fine. Everything's pretty good. Yep, yeah, good. So the research shows is another way of asking it. So you turn to someone and you say, listen, you know, reflect on everything that's going on in your life and tell me how things are going. But I want you to do it on a 10 point scale from one to 10, or I want you to do it on a traffic light system where it's respond with a red, you know, it's bad, yellow, it's mixed, green, things are going well. Now, when you attach this little rating system to it, it actually forces people to think. Mm -hmm. So when you get a response of back of a seven, now you can say, ah, help me understand the seven. What's preventing you from being a 10? You know, why are you not a five, right? So even this very silly, simple way of asking how are you can have tremendous gains. So that's the kind of stuff I try to elevate in this book. And, you know, I'll give you another surprise that, you know, people just don't um, know, which is that we've actually found in our research that um, the people who want more one-on-ones are not your junior employees. It was actually your senior employees. That the higher levels of, in, you know, high to level um, your, your directs are, the more desirous they were of one-on-ones. So this perception, oh, young people want feedback, young people want feedback, is not being supported um, by the data that everyone wants feedback. And the more senior individuals actually wanted it even more. So there's so many leaders who assume that if you have senior you know, level directs, you don't need to do one-on-ones. -on one yeah. The data is not supporting that. Okay. They, they crave it. Okay, okay. Depending on your level of trust that you have, I guess, right? 
Trust is always critical. You know, if you have high levels of trust, it allows a much deeper, richer conversation. If you don't have those levels of trust, you've got to earn it and you have to keep investing in it. And, you know, and the best way to earn trust is to offer support and make sure you do it. Yeah. And, and, and be present. I think like that's what 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 what's what's lacking in many like virtual meetings, right? That yeah. like the level of presence and people are busy with something else while they're talking. <laughs> and, Very true. Yeah. Very true. So, um, Stephen, thanks a lot. Um, was was a nice discussion and like short and crisp. Uh, good good bits and pieces in it. Um, and I, I hope that that helped our listeners uh, to improve their their one on ones in the future. Um, maybe a little pitch from your end on your book. Like, when is it out? Sure. Uh, so it's available now. You can buy it um, in a pre-order um, through, you know, a number of web services, obviously, including Amazon. And um, so you can get it now. The book will probably start to ship, you know, at the beginning of next year. So not too far away. And... Um, Yeah, it'll be really fun to see. It's, you know, when I wrote my first book, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen, um, right? It's a book about meetings and it's a book about science. Um, you know, this one, I actually feel much more optimistic about um, because everyone can connect with one-on-ones. And um, I think people recognize that it's something they could get better at. Um, and so I'm really hoping that this book provides a very fresh, new perspective on the topic and just allows people to, you know, engage in this activity in a much more meaningful way so that they, their investment is truly realized. Cool. Thanks a lot. Looking forward my to my signed copy. <laughs> Be my pleasure. Stephen, have a great day. Thanks a lot for, for helping us out here. Uh, very good. You're very welcome. Thanks. A lot. Thank you Bye. so much. Thank you for listening to the Arcelist podcast. If you like this episode, share it with friends. I'm sure they'll love it too. Make sure to subscribe so you can hear deep insights into technical leadership and technology trends as they become available. Also, please tell us if there is a topic you would like to hear more about or a technical leader whose brain you would like us to pick. Alphalist is all about helping CTOs getting access to the insights they need to make the best decisions for their company. Please send us suggestions to cto at alphalist.com. Send me a message on LinkedIn or Twitter. After all, the more knowledge we bring to CTOs, the more growth we see in tech. Or as we say on Alphalist, accumulated knowledge to accelerate growth. See you in the next episode.